welcome to First and Foremost, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the transition from a nine to five to their dream of owning their own businesses. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of First and Foremost, the podcast for those between the dollar and the dream, people that are in transition from a nine to five job to their dream job. And today I have a special guest with me. I have Dr. Crystal Davis with me. Uh, Crystal Davis is the author of two books, The Spirituality of Servant Leadership, Leadership and Followership, Examine the Impact on Workplace Behavior. She is also getting ready to publish her third book, Bloom Where You're Planet. I'm looking forward to reading that one. Um, she's an independent certified coach, teacher, and speaker with John Maxwell team. Crystal brings an other-centered approach to helping great leaders build great organizations. She's also the founder of CJD Consulting Solutions in Junction City, a firm that helps organizations and leaders to improve the business results and empowering authentic conversations, encouraging members at all levels of the organization to build trust, awareness, and meaningful contributions. Hey, Dr. Crystal Davis, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Terrence, and thank you so much for having me today and talking about what I'm passionate about. It's good to hear from you. Awesome, awesome. Now, a lot of people won't know that, but uh, we... I know you pretty much know me all my life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, grew up in the same hometown, attended the same church. I wonder if you could take a few moments and, and, and you know, talking about all the things that you did. You, you have really um, gone out and, and, and really collected for yourself a, a great wealth of, of knowledge. And, and you've got some recognition and you've authored your books. But what do you look back in your life uh from hometown or wherever, what in your life do you think um, kind of anchors that drive for you? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Terrence. You know, I think back really to as far as our church days um, at Second Missionary Baptist Church where uh, both of our parents, um, your parents and my parents, um, were longtime members and um, contributed to the church as well as to the community. And I was thinking back um, when you asked me to do this interview, um, and I was thinking back, and you might remember I was um, elected as the first uh, teenager, really, to be the um, president of the Baptist Training Union, the BTU, on yeah. Sunday evenings. So I could probably remember a little bit further back in terms of organizing my stuffed animals on the bed and trying to organize my brothers and sisters. Um, but, you know, when I look back and I'm, when I'm asked, I said, wow, um, you know, really my church home, my church family um, afforded me the, the very first opportunity to kind of step into leadership. Um, and I've never looked back. I, I've never looked back since that time. Um, I didn't know quite what I was doing, but, you know, I think the church uh, and the members, we were family, and they saw something in me very early on um, that, that's proved to, to be successful for me. So I'm really grateful to our elders and to those who kind of saw leadership in me early on and wanted to help me to um, just garner that and harness that leadership. And, and Terrence, you might remember um, that in my senior year in high school, um, 
I won the opportunity to go to Germany um, for a year as a foreign exchange student. And so there again, our church and this community um, helped me to raise funding to be able to go on that year-long um, trip to, to Germany. And I was very fortunate to be housed with a guest family who really just uh, – took me everywhere in Germany and beyond. I mean, we visited Switzerland and then um, Berlin, um, France. We just went to um, the Netherlands. So I can always kind of base my leadership in this journey I'm on um, from the wonderful people in our hometown in the church that always encouraged me, you know, and pushed me forward into leadership. Yeah, it was definitely I, – I don't think I've ever been at another church – where the the adults really, uh, you know, kind of undergirded the kids and made sure they understood that they were uh, special, and it's that's a special thing. And I think honestly, I look back at our, you know, at, at the at the black community today, and I think about the men that mentored us and the women that uh, nurtured us and, and mentored us, and I, I I don't see those things, and I wonder. It makes you wonder, uh, you know, where we would be if we still had a lot of that. Yes, and even if it's um, still alive. Um, yeah. I mean, because, you know, we grew up in the day where if you got in trouble in church, people in church felt very comfortable in getting on you, right? And then when you got home, you were going to get in trouble again. And, you know, we're kind of missing that uh, camaraderie, you know, that sense of family where we're all like, you know, that saying it takes a village to raise a yeah. child. You know, we don't. I don't know that we have that um, like we did uh, when we were growing up. So, yeah, it's very key. Uh, what experiences in your life uh, led you to this particular service and how you service companies, this niche that you have? Yes. Well, um, you know, I, I, I want to say it all started again, you know, in the church. I know I saw my mom um, as a servant leader always in the church and in the community. Um, and then I would say, you know, Terrence, I, um, after I received my master's degree, I moved to Atlanta and boy, I tell you, that was my first uh, reckoning, you know, my first understanding and like seeing so many black people who were successful, um, you know, who had really, you know, nice houses and nice cars and doing really well. And, and I really don't mean the material things. I mean, of course, that, I, I saw those things, but I saw uh, black women who were engaging um, in business and community. They had their own businesses. Um, it was just like a, this mecca of black people who were doing so well. And I was mesmerized by that. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, here I am, a hometown girl. You know, I'm from Kansas. Uh, I did my undergraduate and graduate work, you know, in the rural towns in the Midwest, you know, in Kansas and Oklahoma. So I really wasn't accustomed to, first of all, city life. And then city life that had so many just, you know, African-American people who were very successful. And that, I always had the drive, but I think that heightened my drive to another level. Um, and so I think that experience, um, and then um, looking towards getting my um, doctorate degree was all, also, I would say, an experience um, to me that said, um, I, you know, I always wanted to have my doctorate degree. I, I'm very, you know, grateful to be the first in my family to have a terminal degree. Um, and so I've always been driven in that way to uh, – education is my thing. You know, when I look at my Gallup strengths, you know, my first two uh, strengths are intellectual and learner. 
right? So I've always been a reader. I've always been, um, you know, a person who analyzes, looks at things, research. It's just naturally um, the things I like to do. And so um, I think my experience is being raised. Um, and then when I got into the workplace, um, I soon learned that a lot of organizations are doing a lot of great work, um, parents, but what a lot of them uh, look, look for and, and look for assistance is, is building their culture, right, building their people, um, yeah. having people enjoy coming to work. Um, you know, in this day and age, uh, it, you know, people check in to work. It's almost like they're ghosts, you know, walking around, check out at 5 o'clock, you know, go yeah. home, and it's the same routine. Uh, where there's no meaning, there's no vitality, there's no passion or joy in the workplace. And I was like, wow, this is, I've read a lot about this, and I know that there's a, a leadership that I think can shift this paradigm, and, and it's called servant leadership. And so in my doctorate program, you know, as many um, doctorate students do, you know, you go through, you're navigating, and then you, you say to yourself, Okay, time's running out. What am I going to write on, right? What am I going to write this dissertation on? Yeah. I'm like, I'm in the third year now, and I haven't quite figured it out. Um, and then I had a teacher, doc, Dr. Linda Atkinson, um, for a class, um, enrolled in her class, you know, going through it, and she introduced to us the philosophy, the theories of servant leadership. And it was like heaven had rained down on me, parents, and I finally knew what I was going to write about. And more than that, you know, in retrospect, I was like, well, this is what we've been doing all our lives, or this is, you know, what my mom's been doing, or other community people. And at that time, I said, wow, they have a theory for this? <laughs> <laughs> so you say you, now you, moving from your job now, uh, you didn't really talk a lot about what kind of job you had, but what was your progression out of that into business? What, when did you just decide, okay, my own business or helping people see what I can see uh, and being some shoulders for someone else to stand on, when did that kind of take hold? Yes, that's a great question. Well, uh, I worked at the university level uh, for about 20 years um, administering federal grant programs um, for low-income and first-generation students who were trying to navigate, you know, the college process. And some of your listeners may know about the TRIO programs. Uh, we started in those programs when we were in ninth grade. Um, these kind of federal programs start as assisting students from the elementary level through college. Um, and when our dad passed away in 1984 of leukemia, the, the Upper Bound Program at Kansas State University really stepped in um, and, and mentored us and really was our family when dad passed away and um, stepped close to mom and really helped to, to build my brothers and sisters um, in the program. And so um, I worked in the TRIO program, you know, when I entered K-State as a freshman. Um, then I worked in it, uh, the programs when I was getting my master's degree at University of Oklahoma and then to my professional career um, in predominantly white institutions. But, again, as I was telling you, I lived in Atlanta for about six years. So I also administered this grant program at Morris Brown College um, in Atlanta in the late uh, 90s. Um, and so I, I got through that, you know, the serving leader part of me was always um, very driven and passionate about the underdog student. Um, and just for lack of a better term, just those students really that, you know, the universities or colleges really didn't see as a student who could be successful at the university level. And um, I just um, 
very humbly and gratefully and sometimes fiercely fought against that <laughs> perception um, because we were alumni of the program, right? We were low-income first-generation students, right, according to the program, and we were successful. So I said, you know, students can succeed, right, with the right tools, uh, people who really cared about them, you know, cared about them succeeding, they could. And, and I'm just fortunate, uh, Terrence, over 20 years to have, have helped many, many students succeed, graduate uh, with the bachelor's degree, um, and even several master's degree and on from there. Um, wow. So at about 2004, I was wanting to kind of transfer my skills from the university level and federal grant writing into non the nonprofit world. And so I got the wonderful um, opportunity to work with another church here in town and to build what is now called the Junction City Caring Place. Um, and so that <clears throat> pastor, uh, Dr. Bishop Williams, um, had a vision for opening a community center here in Junction. Um, and so uh, enlisted a team of us, and I was able to use those uh, federal grant writing skills um, to write and win three grants for the Caring Place. Um, we also uh, conducted a capital campaign. Um, and so it was just a blessing that I could transfer a lot of my skill set and experience, you know, from like university level um, grant writing and administration into the nonprofit world. Um, and so that was very fortunate. The Caring Place, uh, you know, we did that in 2004. I'm very grateful to say the Caring Place still stands here in Junction yeah. on A Street. Um, still doing great work there. Um, and then, uh, Terrence, you know, mom got sick. So in yeah. 2000, I really shifted, um, came back home. Mom had several strokes and some other, um, you know, illnesses, um, and they ended up removing her leg to diabetes. And so, you know, I quit my job in Atlanta, and I moved back home. Yeah. So that was in August, um, actually August 16th of 2000. I'll never forget that. And so I kind of put a pin in the business. Um, and I took care of mom, um, and then in 2010, I said, oh, well, I, you know, no time is better than now to finish my career, so I started on my doctoral journey with the University of Phoenix, um, and, and it's really interesting because I took care of mom, went to school, um, and we're still kind of haphazardly building the business, um, and when I graduated, Terrence, now this is part of the story, it's amazing when you say, how did I get here? In 2014, okay, I woke up one morning, I graduated, I began sitting, sending out resumes, like sending out resumes was a job for me, full-time job, right. like I was in beast mode sending right. out resumes. <laughs> I think like after my 200th resume, and I had a couple of interviews, you know, nothing stuck, I woke up one morning and I said, now Crystal, what is the definition of insanity? Right, and it's to keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. And I said to myself, I this day, I'm not going to send out another resume. I'm going to now take all of this energy and attention and focus and build my business. Um, and that's what I did that day, um, Terrence. I, I haven't looked back, and it's been an interesting, wild, crazy, stressful, gratifying journey to even yeah. be where we are right now as I'm having this interview with you and just thinking about how far we've come. Um, it's, been, it's been wonderful, and, and uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. It's amazing to listen to your story, but an amazing what, uh, path you took there. And um, uh, so the, the one thing I'd, I'd ask for the, the people that are listening, what, what things did you have to leave behind to embrace 
those things ahead. Uh, you know, you, you, you certainly probably had to manage some fear. I mean, I hear that a lot. But that day you were like, no, 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 I'm not going that path. I'm going to take this path. What, what things did you have to leave behind to embrace that? Well, that's a powerful question, um, Terrence, because, you know, um, I, I, I'm not sure that entrepreneurship is for everyone, um, right? I think there is, is a lot of ebbs and flows with it. I think you have to have, like, crazy determination, persistence, the ability to rock and roll on little sleep. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from a more deeper perspective, um, I think one thing I had to leave behind was this traditional mindset right, about how I would make money, um, how I would use my passion and calling, uh, how I would use technology, uh, right? A lot of my business is online, is virtual. I mean, we use Skype, we use Adobe Connect, I mean, email, text, messaging. Um, I, you know, if I was to look at my business, I, I'm sure, you know, 60% of it um, is just virtual, um, in yeah. coaching people, um, you know, I do do trainings and workshops and speaking. But, yeah, it's kind of almost leaving, um, and you have to be, you know, willing to leave, like, the safety and security of a nine-to-five. I mean, yeah. that's it, yeah. and that's all. And the one thing I would like to ask you also is, so uh, what I've noticed in my own pursuit to, to move from, you know, from the nine-to-five to um, – to my own business is I noticed that there's a dissatisfaction, like right off the bat, there's just a dissatisfaction. It's something I was in, I was kind of enjoying. I was enjoying it, but it was a dissatisfaction. And, and the only thing that seems to fit was something that I could create on my own. Uh, and I wonder about the times when you're in the ebb and flow, cause you talked about ebb and flow. Is it, is it, has it ever happened to you that when you're in that ebb and flow, something comes, especially in the lows, something comes and fits into place and you're like, it almost re, uh, revitalizes your drive again. You're like, oh man, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if maybe you're, maybe you're, you're facing a some problem that you don't have a solution to and you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I've gotten too far away. Maybe I need to back it up. But then something else happens and it almost draws you out like, mm, this is still the best path for you. Did, did anything like that happen for you? Uh, I think it happens all the time, um, Terrence, especially as you're building. So, you know, you have the nuts and bolts of getting your business together, you know, getting your bank account, uh, you know, articles of incorporation, making sure your taxes are straight, all of these kind of things that I'm not really a numbers person. So I think knowing your strengths and weaknesses is going to be key. Um, so for me, like, I hired a QuickBooks person. Like, I'm not a numbers person. I don't want to do it. I don't even want to learn QuickBooks. Um, you know, I want to talk. I want to teach. I want to engage with the people. Um, so knowing that for me and for others as an entrepreneur is, is great because when you're a small business, you know, it's like you're wearing the 50 million hats. And mm -hmm. as you continue to build, you know, and, and make money and reach out and develop your services, um, developing your team, creating your team is like a must. It is a must because you start out and you're handling everything. And I think just like you said, those are the moments that could be at times, you know, low moments because it's like, okay, I got to do QuickBooks. I got to get the blog out, right? I got to answer all the emails. I got this phone call at this time. I got, you know, this appointment with the organization in the community. So it's definitely about, you know, prioritizing your time and your day. Um, 
and knowing um, how things will roll up and how you can balance. I mean, and people say they have balance. I don't know that that's always true when you're when you're building, right? You attempt to have balance and you work every day at balance, but um, it's something that if you're not really aware of. It can catch you and, and have you in, like, one of those moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Or, you know, one of those moments where you think, you know what, I'm just going to go back and get a nine-to-five, you know, and it'll be fine. <laughs> I can just go report yeah. in to somebody, do what they say, and then go yeah, home. <laughs> yeah. But, Terrence, you know, like, once you, it's like once you um, go entrepreneur, you can never go back. Oh, um, I, I, you never can go back when you have the freedom of, um, managing your day, you know, prioritizing your things, you know, being your own boss. And I have a lot of people that think that it's, oh, it's real easy and flexible and it's so nice to be your own boss. And, you know, most times the entrepreneurs, they're harder on themselves than a boss would be, you know, in the marketplace because you know you have to handle everything. You know your reputation, right, is on the line. You know your integrity um, is being watched. So I think as an entrepreneur, um, you know, it's a little tougher. Um, and I'll say that there's been times when I, you know, haven't felt the best. Um, and even just like uh, two weeks ago, um, so I was invited um, on a cruise to be a guest speaker to talk about leadership. Uh, it was really wonderful. We, it was 400 in our group. Um, and I, it's my prayer always, Terrence, when I go out to talk to people, uh, when I do a workshop, I always say, um, God, give me um, the words. Give me the passion, the feeling to be a blessing. And if it's just a one person, right, in these 400 people, uh, I, I'm grateful. And so, you know, finished the cruise, did the talk, really nice and stuff, and handed out a lot of business cards. Um, so I always try to catch up with that networking, you know, when I get back home. Yeah. And for oh, some yeah. reason, a, a lady I'd given my business card, um, she emailed me. I didn't quite, you know, remember her. Um, and, of course, I, I probably gave her about 50 business cards. Um, and so I get an email when we come back from the cruise that said, Dr. Crystal, I so enjoyed the few minutes that we had together on the cruise and I am so empowered by how you talk to me. You were so easygoing and approachable. And she said, just in the few words we shared, they were so powerful for me that I'm really interested in talking to you more about doing some coaching. Okay, Karen. Oh, my gosh. I think she yeah. was probably one of the first ladies I talked to. We were on the cruise like six days, and I didn't remember that. But, see, that's the prayer and intention that she put out. So that it was that one lady, and you know, granted there are other people and met a lot of people, but that one lady who followed through, something I said to her, you know, whatever, followed through, and now she is, we're talking now, and she's about to sign a contract to do some personal um, and professional coaching. Um, so it's those times, those moments, whether it's a young person or an adult or even a doctoral student that I'm coaching, um, that will be touched or blessed or just be encouraged to take the next yeah. step. Yeah. When people from uh, your past see you and, you know, you're not Crystal, you know, we, we went to school together, but you, you are still that person. But there is definitely something different. You've taken on a different persona, a different different uh, energy. And so how would you advise other people to deal with people that just can't let it go? They just don't understand the value that, you're, that you can provide. 
That, that's so great. It's a great question. You know why, Terrence? Because when we have, like all of us, we were born and raised here. We've moved out, you know, lived in different places, lived in different cities. You know, I lived in Kansas City for eight years. And then we come back home. Um, there is a difference. And, you know, in Junction, we have that diversity, but we also have, just like other, any other small, you know, rural hometown, um, there's sometimes just a kind of narrow perspective um, mm-hmm. on life. I mean, so then here you come in, they're like, okay, she has her PhD, she's writing books. Well, who does she think she is? Right. Yeah, who gave her permission to do that? Um, but, you know, it, that, and that's where it comes to a point where you you must, you know, appreciate and love, you know, all of your people. I've, I've seen, you know, people even around town. Um, and, and I'm fortunate. I, I have to say, Terrence, I'm really fortunate because I really just um, want positive, you know, positivity in my life around me, uh, you know, on my social media uh, with my son. And so I, I know that whatever t- intentions you put out, that's what comes back. Now, granted, there's been trollers, like, on my social media page. I've, you know, gotten some negativity. Um, but I know when I'm called here to do parents, and I know who I'm supposed to reach and the people that um, lives I I will impact and be impacted by. So I have to remember um, that, as and Oprah just said it the other week, she's like, if you can't stand being talked about, you're not ready for success. And I was okay. like, wait a minute, I'm going to have to write that all, I'm going to have to write that, put that on the refrigerator. I said, yeah. that is good because that's what it comes down to is that, you know, people are going to be in your corner and then some are not. Um, and I love Junction and, and I spent this time here, um, to take care of mom and, and probably I, I'm sure as you know on my Facebook page and stuff, mom made her transition a little over a year ago now. Um, and so I kind of find that my time in Junction is complete. Um, and so right now we're just really in the planning and the prayers and putting intentions out for me and Elijah, my son, who's 14, and where we will be next. Um, and I know for sure for me, um, Karen, that that's going to be probably in a city. Um, I, I love, I'm a hometown girl. I never, you know, I'm always going to claim to be from Junction City, Kansas, always, wherever I go. And I like just the energy, the life, um, the opportunity um, in, in the city, you know, whether that's Kansas City or whether that's Florida. I mean, um, time will tell, but um, I've enjoyed my time here. And the, the thing of a small town, too, is you know, Terrence, you do get that support. Um, so even the church, even the people at church today are very supportive. You know, I was fortunate to have an um, article on the front page of the Daily Union. And, you know, so much support and love from the elders that still are living, you know, here in the community um, and other people. So it, it's been a blessing. That's awesome. Can you give us an, uh, some uh, your approach to capitalizing on opportunities when they present themselves? Like, how do you make sure that you capitalize on it, maximize that opportunity? Uh, that's wonderful. You know, for me, uh, one thing is networking, networking, networking. Like, this is my, one of my mantras. I don't meet a stranger. So every morning I get up, I go out, I'm traveling. Um, last year I worked a contract, uh, which was wonderful, and I traveled to 46 cities like in 11 months. I'm teaching a servant leadership program. And so when I get on the plane, you know, when I get off the plane, when I go into the different cities, I always meet friends. 
Um, and so as an entrepreneur, like, I think that's a mindset that you have to have because you never know, Terrence, that person that you may discount or may look at like, oh, well, you know, I don't think they, they'll offer me, you know, anything that can help me in my business or whatever. That would be just the time that you're making a huge mistake. Right. So I always um, network and follow up. It's also about follow up because it's great to network and there's great networkers out there, but if you don't follow up, um, check in um, and, and build the relationship, um, it's useless. You know, another one of my mantras, results move at the speed of relationships. So for me as an entrepreneur, every contract I sign, and I have healthy debates with my colleagues, you know, about uh, building relationships or building programs and curriculum. And while I think they're both uh, important, I know for me, Terrence, every contract I've signed, every relationship I've built, I have had the results from that, whether it's the contract signed, um, the organization I went into um, were able to use some of the tools and frameworks, you know, that we were there facilitating. Um, and so it's even on my refrigerator. You have to see it, Terrence. I got all kinds of stuff on there. But results, <laughs> results move at the speed of relationships. So then the question becomes, what are your relationships and how are you building them? Wow. Wow. That's very good. I love that. I love that. So tell us about servant leadership and uh, and why why is that such a passion for you? What what about servant leadership is so dry? What I really um, like about servant leadership um, is that the leader who who thinks of themselves as a servant leader is one who cares about others, cares about their team, empowers their team, encourages others. It's more about selfless the L-E-S-S, selfless service rather than selfish service. And, I, you know, you could point to many, many examples um, in the world today in the marketplace uh, where, you know, corporations, CEOs, businesses have gone awry. Um, you know, people's integrity is just, you know, down the drain. Uh, a lot of just uh, fiscal irresponsibility, you know, going on. Um, and really servant leadership really asks us to shift in our mindset, and in our consciousness about what leadership is. Um, and so servant leadership is just a more, um, to me, a more authentic, transparent way mm -hmm. to lead. And I think when you lead like that, of course, there's, there's just an army, right, this arsenal of tools, of frameworks, of um, leadership books. Um, that you can read, you know, courses you can take. Um, and that's all great, parents, and I do that. Again, you know, my number one gala shift is intellectual and learner. So I always love to learn. I remember I was laughing. I was thinking about, you know, um, someone asked me a question about, you know, how that all began. And I was thinking about your question. And, and it's so interesting because I know um, back in the day mom would say, or somebody said, well, where are the girls at or what are they going to do? And she would say, child, Crystal probably got her head in a book somewhere. Um, and, you know, I remember that, Terrence. Like, I've, yeah. I've been reading all of my life, even so much so that, I, you know, my other brothers and sisters got in trouble for stuff. And I, I did get in trouble sometimes. But, you know, what kept me out of trouble? I was reading, always reading. I was, like, in another world. Like, the books just take you to this other world where you can see and, and taste and feel, like, these worlds that the books uh, present. So I've, I've always been... Um, a reader, and I encourage Elijah about that. Uh, but and the last point, really, about servant leadership 
it's about an inner desire to help and motivate others. So we've seen other leadership styles today, you know, the top-down command form of leadership, um, you know, the do what I say or hit the highway type of leadership. Um, and servant leadership is inviting us, first of all, to look within, right, to look within. How emotionally intelligent are you? How self-aware are you? You know, what consciousness do you have that will help lead others, teams, corporations, organizations, um, to a greater, uh, more meaningful purpose. Um, and, and I think that's what sorely what the world is looking for. Um, and you see a lot of consultants out there today um, in leadership development. Um, but the niche, you asked me the niche in parents, the niche mm. is servant leadership because we can teach a whole bunch of different ways of leadership. We can go in and do all kind of assessments and say, okay, well, here's what's, you know, troubling about your culture. But until we get people to begin within, mm. you must begin within. We, because what, is your, what manifests on the outside is what's going on on the inside. And when we help people just become the better version of who they are, they become better leaders and better servant leaders. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so now there's there's this there's this idea of uh, working on your business and working in your business, and I know you're facing that. I know there's there's times that you have to be the person in the business driving it, doing all the parts and pieces that you need to do so that the business continues to live. But then you have to manage it on the outside. So how do you balance working in and on? And when do you know it's time to go inward and outward? Yes, that is, ooh, there's some good questions here, Terrence. Ooh, I didn't think I was, I got to put my thinking cap on today. <laughs> you know, um, and, I, and I know that, all, uh, you know, entrepreneurs think of this and, and, and are balancing, right, that time between when you're working in it, so that's when I'm coaching, you know, that's when I'm traveling and doing workshops, that's when I'm, you know, writing my book. I'm working on it. Um, and, and for example, in 2017 was a perfect um, example for me because as I shared with you earlier, you know, I got this great contract, was traveling quite a bit. Um, and then towards the end of the last quarter of the year, you know, I spent some time um, getting some certifications that I wanted. You know, we're now a woman-owned business. Um, also, I did the John Maxwell training a couple of weeks ago um, in terms of my coaching, speaking, and training. Um, I did some rebranding, right, with the website, with my logo, um, you know, business cards. Um, and then always this continued professional development. Um, so um, I think that... It's very critical um, to balance them both, Terrence, because you can't be too heavy-handed on one side or the other, yeah. um, and particularly when you're small, right? You don't have this big team yet to help you. Um, it's about that balance and, and a schedule. But what helps me is my calendars, uh, you know, my to-do list, uh, my phone, because I'm kind of old school, Terrence. I still got a big desktop calendar um, that I also use. Uh, but I have my son and with his track uh, and other schedule, you know, school schedule. Right. Um, and with my stepdad here, he's now um, just turned 82. Um, so that calendar also helps me to manage the household um, while, you know, doing all of the kind of the business stuff that I'm doing. So I would say um, use the tools that can help you um, to balance, set a schedule. Like for me, I do all my reading 
say, like I'm on probably about 20 RSS feeds on servant leadership. So any new article, any new book, anything new that comes out about servant leadership comes straight to my feed. So I spend probably the first hour or so, hour and a half, um, after my spiritual practice my spiritual routine in the morning, going through my feeds, you know, going through what's new, any new books. You know, I'm on goodreads.com. That's another great place that keeps me up to date to the new leadership stuff coming out. Um, and so I look at that, and then I manage the day. You know, so many minutes to check email. Um, at the moment, we're about to publish our third, third book. Thank you for that shout-out. But um, as I was writing on that, you know, what, how many hours of the day will I focus to, you know, writing a chapter or two on the book? Um, and then, you know, my coaching clients. Um, and then, you know, of course, at 3.15 when my son gets home, it's like a shutdown from the business so that I can have family time. You know, I start getting dinner ready. Um, he has track practice. You know, we get homework done. So it's about managing your day. And some days parents go well, well into the evening and, you know, beyond midnight. And some evenings I, at 9 o'clock I say I'm done and I'm going to bed. Um, so that's it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm done. Like when I can't, as I say, when I can't do no more, just you know, lay it on down, um, and then you're refreshed, right? You're ready for the next day. So there's days when I I push, 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 you know, and then there's days when I say to myself, um, you know, a nice walk around the block, right, would do you good right now? Like get up from the computer, put your coat on, you know, and take a walk around the block. So, and I can't very well teach others, you know, kind of stress-free living and things to do to recharge your battery. And I never recharge mine, right? And, it, and it's a work, Terrence. I mean, it's a work in progress. I, I'm nowhere near perfect. Um, There's definitely, you know, everyday, like, conscious decision to do it. Yeah. So, one of the, there's two more questions that I want to ask for our listeners. Um, one is, how, how, do you, how would you advise them to manage fear? Um, because even if you're, even if you're well enough to like jump into business, <laughs> uh, and be an entrepreneur and you're in there battling away, um, fear, fear is one of those, uh, fear is, is going to always show itself and present itself an opportunity to be fearful. So how, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you do it? And what would you say to entrepreneurs? Uh, well, first of all, is to like just face that fear. And I, I always kind of remember the acronym of fear, uh, which is false evidence appearing as real. <clears throat> so when I think about that, I say, okay, Crystal, so you feel this fear, whether, you know, people feel it differently, maybe in the pit of your stomach or you've got your nervous hands or, you know, you're sweating, um, you feel, you know, your heartbeat um, happening, or, or it's worry, you know, it's worry, it's depression, it's up all night. Um, and so I say to myself, first of all, it's false evidence appearing as real, okay? Mm -hmm. So first of all, that's it. It's nothing more. Um, and I just kind of have a routine. I have some affirmations that work for me, Terrence, that bring me back to mm -hmm. center, right? Because when you're in fear, all of us, me, you, when we're in fear, we're not centered. So the first thing I say to myself is, Crystal, you're feeling this fear, so that means you're off center, so the first thing you need to do, you know, is come back to center. Um, remember why you're doing this. What's the purpose? You know, for me, I always going back through, like, uh, what's the why of it? Because that will always help me remember, okay, why are you doing this? For what purpose? And who is it going to serve? So when I think about, like, my son, that I'm modeling, right, entrepreneurship for him, I'm modeling that you can be your own boss, you can have your business, and then you can run it, 
um, from a perspective that's genuine, um, that is about empowering and encouraging people and teens. Um, and it's about being authentic, as he would say, keep it real. Our young people say keep, keep it real. real. Yeah, so it's also about, yeah, just keeping it real about, because when I'm hired in, um, Terrence, it's usually because a problem exists. So I'm hired in to come and help, you know, figure out the problem. And so while that's important, what I remember, which is also a niche to me, is that I'm very careful to go into organizations and say, well, this is what I see. You know, productivity is low. You know, morality is down. You know, I help them to think about, critically think about what they see as the problem and then how can we, you know, me working alongside the organization, um, determine some results um, that will be sustainable and, and inviting this, like, shift in mindset, the shift in consciousness about how we're going to work together, how we're going to speak to one another, right? I mean, it's how empowering versus disempowering words. That's part of what I see all the time is we're just not communicating well with each other. You know, we have to, um, you know, get better at communicating uh, what the problem is and then a resolve without taking it personal. You know, nothing's personal, right? If you could just step out of taking anything personal, we can always figure out what the problem is. So it's the problem, not the person, um, so that you can get to a healthy resolve. I could ask you questions forever and ever because I mean, like you, you, you keep answering. And I go, oh, there's another question, but I, 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 I don't want to do that to you, so I, I can move on. But here's our. This is our lightning round. This is what I do with. Uh, it's a little fun thing I do with uh, our, our, the guests that I have on the show. Um, what's your? What is your greatest joy in life? Oh, that's great. Uh, I, you know, with the ups. And the downs, uh, Terrence, you know, at the recent loss of mom, uh, just everything that's going on, I still can say to you right now, this afternoon in this interview, I live a fantastic life. Fantastic. I, I love watching my son grow up becoming this um, teenager, um, at him in his sports and his academics. <clears throat> so I um, love that the greatest joy of my life is my son and, you know, more importantly, him watching me build this business, right? Him watching me see the good stuff, you know, the bad stuff, the stressful stuff, the great stuff, you know, a new contract come in. We're really celebrating. Um, sometimes if they're lean moments, you know, being very transparent about all of this, you know, it ain't just about the good times, um, you know, and the high times, you know, it's everything. And it all it all matters. It all, um, you know, is tunneling us and focus, focusing us to um, the greatest business yet. And, and you know, the other joy is knowing really, uh, Terrence, like in my heart uh, what I'm building. And what I am building is a legacy, right? So I'm not just trying to build CJD Consulting Solutions. I'm building a legacy. And that is the greatest work besides parenting that I've ever done. Yeah, I think that's a lot. of. I, I love that answer. And to be honest with you, I think that people that have a poor mindset that uh, or poverty, impoverished mindset don't understand that it's about legacy. That's how wealth is handed down. And uh, I think you're giving your son that that opportunity, uh, showing him that he can be his own boss. That's amazing. Are you still a Blue Jay for life? 
I'm a blue jay for life. Hashtag blue jay for life. That's so fun because we, I, I go up to the high school. I'm invited as a business owner. I'm parents in the community to do a couple things. You know, I've been up there to volunteer for a couple of uh, programs and workshops and stuff they have for the kids. Um, and, and in the coming weeks, I'm going to be at the middle school, <clears throat> excuse me, at Elijah School, um, talking about um, what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, that part of my soul, like, I will always give back to the young people, always, you know, be available for the young people, um, because I think it's important that they see um, that, and, and you know, what's happening now, Terrence, which is kind of funny, which speaks to our age, is now all of our kids, right, are going to school together. So then I get there, and I was like, yeah, I went to school with her mom, yep, I went to school with his mom. Um, so we're seeing that kind of um, second and third generation now come through the school district. Um, so I think that's positive. Uh, and sometimes I think my son thinks that's negative because he's like, dang, my mom knows everybody up here. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I do. I know putting everybody up here. So what do you see yourself in the next year? Oh, fantastic. I, um, I see myself, parents, as having blessed Junction City for all of the, the wonderful years I had here, um, taking care of mom, um, being available at the church, uh, building my business. Really, I, I'm very fortunate that I had this this last few years, parents, to be here um, in my parents' home, you know, taking care of my mom, taking care of my stepdad, um, and building um, this business, CJD Consulting Solutions. Um, and so in the next year, I um, imagine that Elijah and I will um, be in our own spot um, somewhere. I'm not sure where that is quite yet. I have a couple of top three choices, cities on the, on the books. St. Louis. Yeah, oh, St. Louis. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be far of a jump from here for sure. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, in our new place, um, and just continuing, like, to build the business, move forward. I'm always continuing with my John Maxwell uh, training and certification, um, always um, seeking out um, new contracts, and, and just always continuing to develop myself as a serving leader. Awesome, awesome. What, uh, what, what book would you recommend for an entrepreneur to read? Now, I know you're going to think this is funny. So I heard Chris's interview, and he said, well, I have five. So I was like, okay, why well, am I just going to say one? I'm going to have to have five, too. <laughs> Come on with him. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, uh, yeah, of course, uh, any of the John Maxwell works, right? So any of those leadership books are great to have. Uh, right now, I'm reading Christian Simpson's The Four Pillars of Mastery, How the Top 1% of Entrepreneurs Think. And that is really heavy. Um, you can find that one as a PDF even online. It, it, it will, like, shift your entire process around this. The next book is um, Kevin Cashman, Lead, uh, Leadership from the Inside Out. And that one just recently came out, another great one. He's an executive director over at Corn Cherry, which is also a leadership development firm. Um, and my boy, Brendan Burchard, High Performance Habits. Um, that's been one I've been reading on um, quite a bit. I, I pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. And then the last one, my favorite mentor and teacher, um, and I think mystic leader of all time, Ernest Holmes, and the title of the book is It's Up to You. 
It's up to you. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. So before I last ask this last question, I want to say thank you for coming on and, and being a part of this this recording. And you know, it's always exciting to talk to entrepreneurs and hear their uh the entrepreneurs that are successful and hear their point of view. Um but what should be first and foremost on the minds of entrepreneurs? Well, you know, I think two things. I am, and, and this one that I think of actually comes, too, out of the Christian Simpson book. And I've been really um, digesting that and working working through the worksheets and everything with that one is, and this is powerful because this is a shift from what we're used to, Terrence. And he says, work on the business owner, not the business and I was like, Whoa, wait a minute, hold on, let me think of that again, let me think about it, and then think through that. Because really what Christian is inviting us to do is that when we know ourselves, um, you know that saying, know thyself, and when you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, how you show up in the world, your business and your calling, that is what you called here to do, will also just flourish. You know, think about if you tried to do that backwards to build the business and not work on the business owner. Um, well, you could probably see some um, results, I think, Terrence, mm-hmm. but I don't know how sustainable those yeah. results will really be. And the second and final thing is, you know, I talked to my mentor, and I have two or three, and I said one time, I said, you know, gosh, it really feels sometimes um, – like hypocrisy because, you know, here I am teaching leadership and all of these things. And I said, and, and I kind of flub up from time to time. You know, I'm not perfect. I, I, you know, work on being a better parent, work on being a better leader, you know, work on being a better sister or whatever. And she said to me, dear Crystal, you can only teach that which you are learning. Wow. And I was like, I kind of had a tear in my eye, Terrence. I had to, like, you know, turn away because that then kind of, it was such a relief kind of off of my soul, I think, off of my heart to know that you don't have to be perfect. You know, I think it's this internalized perception from society and the world and, you know, magazines and everything. Like, you have to have it all together. You know, if you're standing in front of people, teaching people. And really, it's the the other way around. The only way, the only way you could teach people is that you're learning the same concept. Hey, Dr. Davis, I want to say to you, thank you for coming on. This is uh, so valuable what you've given us. And uh, I know that uh, our listeners can take these things and put them into action. And this advice will be uh, valuable to them further down the road. Uh, as always, thank you so much. Thank you.